The Cell Phone Junkie Podcast, episode 533 for August 28th, 2016. Rootmetrics scores the U.S. carriers, WhatsApp starts sharing data with Facebook, and Google's Wi-Fi assistant comes to the Nexus line. My name is Mickey Papillon. And I'm Joey Coppas. Brought to you each week by the Cell Phone Junkie podcast application, available now for Android, iOS, and Windows Phone 8 for $1.99. First up this week, Rootmetrics released their network performance data, announcing that Verizon dominated as best overall carrier and swept all six performance categories. The sweep is the first time that's been done since Rootmetrics began testing the entire U.S. back in 2013. Those categories include overall performance, network reliability, network speed, and call performance. Rootmetrics says it drove 265,000 miles in the U.S. and did testing on highways and in big cities, small towns, and rural areas. A total of 3.7 million tests were done, including 4,200 indoor locations. The testing took place during the first half of the year. And while Verizon had an overall score of 93.9, AT&T wasn't far behind at 89.9. Sprint was third place at 85.5. And T-Mobile, fourth place at 82.5. That's a full uh, 10.5 points below where Verizon came in. Now, AT&T finished second to Verizon in five out of six categories at the national level. The only area they didn't come in second was call performance, where Sprint came in second. Other carriers uh, aren't sitting sitting still, though. Uh, The gap in network quality between the top four is narrowing and will continue to do so as both Sprint and T-Mobile invest further in their respective networks. They have both added uh, and jumped uh, huge in these last tests from last year into this year. It's also worth noting that Rootmetrics isn't the only organization doing this type of testing, and so results have varied depending on which organization is doing them. As an example, Open Signal said earlier this month that T-Mobile won four out of the six network metrics, including all three speed categories, in a 71-day period during the spring and summer of this year. Verizon did win Open Signal's network availability category and was a close second in 4G download speed and overall download speed. And uh, so if there's one thing that uh, is clear from this report, T-Mobile is challenging uh, the U.S. as far as the mobile market, and they're putting their resources behind building a better performing network. Uh, according to Open Signal, so again, it's not uh, as if one of the the networks is um, you know necessarily going to stand out every single place. Uh, but these kind of call to attention that if you're looking for the best overall network over the entire U.S., Verizon is still number one. And it still seems to be the case, you know, anecdotally from the people that I run into and the people I talk to, and and even uh, you know if I've got uh, other people at different carriers and we go to some place, you know, fairly rural, it usually seems Verizon's the one that has the service, but. Um, you know, as you've experienced, T-Mobile uh, is not like it used to be. That's for sure. It has you know drastically improved, and uh, of course, AT&T has been fairly stable now for a bunch of years. But it's just uh, it still doesn't quite have the same coverage that Verizon does. You know, and it is interesting because a lot of where you're going to kind of get this sense of you know who is you know best is as we've talked about many times on the show, the places that you spend most of your time. And so for me, I it was one of those having. To, to really figure out what that was going to mean for me, where I had Verizon for a number of years prior uh, to last year and ultimately decided to switch over to T-Mobile because the service in, in especially it around my office was so much better with them. Yeah, and that's, you know, fairly surprising. I mean, that's, uh, you know, a first for you where you're like, this Verizon service is 
unusable. I mean, it was just not even, it wasn't even cutting the, cutting, uh, you know, making phone calls at all. Yeah. And I, I mean, it still is the same way. If, uh, you know, I, I always see people literally like running out the front doors of my office and I know they're Verizon customers because they, they can't make calls and Sprint, T-Mobile and AT&T work just fine inside this building. So it is interesting. You see how these people hanging out outside, you know, on their phones because they just flat out don't work inside the building. Yeah, and that's pretty wild. Uh, you know, this day you wouldn't think that's the case, but uh, of course now with the introduction of the Wi-Fi calling it, it's, it's helping uh, in these lower signal areas, but it, it, it definitely doesn't alleviate the issues that you, you know, have in a bad signal area. And that assumes that you've got a device that supports it and you've got it turned on. So there's a few things that are, you know, potentially causing issues there. And it's even, you know, I've talked to people like uh, my brother-in-law, I think it was that, you know, we had had a conversation about this and I, he's got one of the newer iPhones and I, on Sprint and I said, oh, you don't, I see you don't have Wi-Fi calling on. And he said, well, what's that? And so I explained what it did and he goes, yeah, calling's fine. I don't have any problems with it. I don't, he didn't really bother him and didn't care to turn it on. So exactly. And that's it. And that's also kind of tough is the education of some of these services. You don't really know they exist if you're not really closely following it like we do. Yeah, that's that's a good point. And I, you know, obviously when it's it comes down to, you know, overall coverage, I, I would not disagree and uh, that Verizon has got better coverage, you know, overall and, and most of the places um, that I travel to or I just the, the exceptions uh, of the places that I travel to uh, where I will find that T-Mobile has better coverage than Verizon. So it's the majority of those places. It seems like Verizon is still best. So with this, uh, you know, with this analysis uh, of the the networks right now, we've got kind of a, a, a the, the 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 maturation of the um, uh, LTE networks that we have right now, and and we're getting to that point where they're you know very mature, they're very you know kind of stable. They they haven't really been changing the protocols that much, even though there's been you know little bits here and there. But of course, this this is all going to uh, break loose again as soon as we start getting some uh, of the next generation technology, whatever that may be. Um, it may be just you know faster LTE, but it may be something kind of different. And then we'll you know all of this will fall apart again as soon as they start rolling out these new networks, and then we'll have you know some some of the uh, carriers will be way better than others in certain areas as these you know patchwork deployments start rolling out the new networks the new technologies the new frequencies that are used it you know a lot of different factors uh, that that go into this stuff um, you know someone with the I'll just say the capital like Verizon has to be able to roll out this stuff and say you know we've got you know the the top 50 MSAs are going to be completely covered you know over a period of 12 months after we get this thing rolled out whereas uh, you know like a T-Mobile where it has taken a lot longer to get this stuff done although uh, having seen what they've done with their current LTE deployment it seems like they're really trying to make sure that they're on, on the top of their game here and if in many respects it's been working in that people uh, are, are noticing that the coverage is is markedly better um, but still not where if you're someone who's using this you know this service and you've got to have every you know square mile of every road covered then you probably are not going to be going and choosing them just because it's not going to be uh, as good as uh, what you can get with someone else and 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 ultimately you're going to pay for it as a result Verizon is certainly more expensive as is AT&T uh, than either Sprint or T-Mobile. Google this week said it plans to change how it ranks mobile search results in a way that will make it uh, its content easier to find and consume. So first, the company will remove the optimized for mobile tag that often accompanies results. They say that 85% of mobile search results already meet the criteria, and so it's no longer necessary to call it out. Removing that label will make search results easier to read and allow more results to be seen. Google is already in the process of removing the tag. 
Secondly, Google is going to offer websites, going after websites, that is, that take advantage of mobile search uh, to stir, serve um, interstitial pop-up ads. So specifically, Google will deprioritize the rankings of sites uh, that show a pop-up that covers the content, display a standalone interstitial or, uh, that may be dismissed before accessing the content, or use a layout where the above-the-fold portion looks like a standalone interstitial. So Google said that such ad practices often frustrate users and don't promote a good mobile experience. Google will also begin lowering the search ranking of websites that use these ads um, on January 10th, 2017. Google says some interstitials are okay, such as those requiring age verifications or some that use a reasonable amount of screen space that can easily be dismissed. It's too bad Google just can't uh, de- demote every single uh, site that uses ads at all. That would be great, wouldn't it? Uh, which, yeah, would probably not work out so well for them. <laughs> no, but the, it's wishful thinking. It's interesting how I, I read this, uh, this, this, you know, her, you know, the story initially, and I thought, you know, the the idea that they, especially with the the, the whole process of going after sites that um, will display, um, you know, content that needs to be essentially read before you can get to the actual ad and then i think of like how youtube is today and all of their videos have an ad you know that pre-roll ad that rolls in front of that uh it's a little bit different a pop-up ad versus a, a video at the beginning of it but at the same time it is kind of an interesting thing it's it's something that's getting in the way of you getting to or you know consuming that content that you're trying to get to Right, especially while while you're mobile, and that's what's really frustrating about the mobile sites. Because usually you're, uh, I mean, typically you're kind of in a hurry and you want to to get to what you're doing, and and those uh, those really do get in the way, and sometimes they're very difficult to navigate. And certainly, there's you know there's a lot of sites that are that need to have these out there that are generating revenue as a result of them. Um, but at the same time, I I I kind of am excited to see this because a lot of those pop ups that. Uh, make the sites difficult to go to and you know I, I kind of find myself uh, find these on some of the sites where every once in a while I'll, I'll be reading an article and I'll scroll through and see like you know linked content or something that looks interesting and click on that and all of a sudden you know I'm on some random site and I'm like I, I don't even know what this is and you know ultimately it's, it was probably not the best site to have navigated to as a result of it but um, you know sometimes they're just these the way that the, the tech stuff kind of flows, you know, you'll have, you'll be on a, say a more legitimate site and then they'll have someone else who's, you know, reported on something similar that you want to read through and it gets to something kind of weird. But um, ultimately I, I think the, the way that Google has gone about this is to say, look, you've got, uh, you know, essentially four months to figure this out. And once we get to the end of that period, you're going to um, either have figured it out or we're going to figure it out for you and and we're going to downrank you. So, um, again, I think it's a good thing and it's going to be a good move uh, for the experience that consumers have when they're browsing mobily. WhatsApp on Thursday upgraded its terms of service and accordingly announced plans to share data with its parent company, Facebook. So the company says working with Facebook will allow it to better track metrics to do things like fight spam. Of course, it will use the information for advertising purposes as well. And they say by connecting your phone number with Facebook systems, Facebook can offer better friend suggestions and show you more relevant ads if you have an account with them. Uh, also, users will have the ability to opt out of sharing of the data, but you must proactively do so via WhatsApp's privacy tools. Also, if you want to opt out of the data being shared, there are two ways to do it. You can either uncheck the box that you'll see just above the agree button when you're asked to agree to the revised terms. Second, by going into the account settings at any time in the 30 days following agreeing to the terms of service, you can go ahead and uncheck that box there as well. So uh, make sure you're just aware of this if you happen to be a WhatsApp user. This will affect 
both of those on iOS as well as Android. AT&T on Monday announced that it has signed an interconnect agreement with Cuba's Empresa de Telecomunicaciones, Telecomunicaciones de Cuba. Excuse me. Uh, the agreement will eventually allow AT&T customers to roam on ETESCA's network when traveling to Cuba. Sprint, T-Mobile, and Verizon have already signed similar agreements. Verizon on Wednesday announced that prepaid subscribers now have access to voiceover LTE services, including HD voice and video calls. Prepaid customers need to add HD voice to their account before they can make those calls, but the add-on is free. Calls are billed by the minute, even though the call is going over the LTE data network, but uh, Verizon's legacy voice network will still be allowed uh, to be used uh, if needed. HD voice supports six-way conference calls, one- and two-way video calls, Wi-Fi calling as well. Both the handset making the call and the handset receiving the call need to have the feature enabled to be connected uh, over LTE for HD voice functionality. Six-way conference calls. I, I suppose my Verizon iPhone supports that, but I, I mean, I've, I haven't made a conference call even with two other people in, I don't know, how many years on a mobile phone. Yeah, it, I mean, it's something where you just you say, all right, we're going to set up, a, you know, you, everyone call in the same number, and, and that's how you do it. I, I'm kind of with you. I'm trying to think of if I've ever, I've done it from a desk phone. Um, I've conferenced somebody from a desk phone, but I've never thought about doing it from uh, from my handset. So that is kind of an interesting thing. But yeah, six-way conference calls, I guess that would be nice um, as long as you can uh, ultimately make sure that your call stays connected because if, if you drop, then everyone drops off. So that wouldn't be good. Sprint on Friday announcing that customers can choose a video add-on that provides unlimited HD video streaming. So the Unlimited Freedom Premium Plan is a plan that will cost $80 a month for a single line or $140 for two lines. And that will include 1080p HD high quality video, music streaming at 1.5 megabits per second, and gaming at up to 8 megabits per second. So this supplements the unlimited freedom plan, which is $20 cheaper or $60 a month, but only includes 480p standard definition video streaming, 500 kilobit per second music streaming, and 2 megabit per second gaming. So uh, for the extra $20, um, you, can, um, you, you can get all of these things, and basically you're still not a true unlimited unthrottled plan, but it's at least a little bit better for 20 bucks a month than the quality that you're getting with these other ones. But uh, for a limited time, if you sign up for the Unlimited Freedom Plan, you will be upgraded automatically uh, at no extra cost to the Unlimited Freedom Premium Plan through the end of October. So essentially you get uh, eight to 10 weeks, depending on when you sign up, to try out uh, this uh, premium service to figure out if you like it or not. And I guess you could stick on for another 20 bucks if it me- makes sense. Um, my guess is that most people will not and they'll just it'll get throttled back to what it, what it is and everyone will just move on with their lives. But anyway, 20 bucks will get you a little bit more. U.S. Cellular announcing new shared connect plans that offer a pooled bucket of data and multiple lines. All of the plans include unlimited talk and text. The least expensive plan is $30 a month. That includes 2 gigs of data. Subsequent choices cost $45 a month for 4 gigs, $60 for 8 gigs, $80 for 16 gigs, and $100 for 24 gigs. The latter two plans include unlimited talk and text to Mexico and Canada as well. The prices don't include device access fees or payments. The new Share Connect plans are available starting right away. In device news, a couple of stories following a similar report from the Wall Street Journal earlier this summer. A new report from Bloomberg late this week mentions that the iPhone introduced in 2017, i.e. the 10th generation iPhone, 7S, iPhone 8, whatever you want to call it, will not feature a home button that has been present in every iPhone for the last nine years. 
So, of course, we know Apple works on redesigns of these devices every year, but we believe that the major redesign, the next one that is, will occur in 2017 with a focus on more hev- heavily design, uh, designing this device to be changed from the current iPhone 6 and 6S uh, style. Uh, that will be r- through the removal of the home button. Uh, of course, we also have a good intelligence to say that we will be losing the 3.5mm headphone jack in this year's iPhone 7, as well as bringing in redesigned antenna lines and a number of camera improvements. So it does beg the question, or at least a, a short conversation, about what that actually would mean for this uh, for, you know, for this iconic device and this an iconic piece on this device. Um, you know, if you, all of a sudden you don't have a home button anymore that is as clickable as we have today, how does that, uh, how does that change how this device actually functions? Well, it may or may not. Uh, they may go to the haptic feedback, as we've, uh, you know, I, I think we may have talked about uh, a week or two ago, uh, that uh, it's kind of the same thing that the, the new uh, MacBooks and the MacBook Pros have, where it's a, uh, it's it's also a force touch touchpad. So, you know, it feels like it's clicking, uh, but it really isn't. It's really a little, uh, you know, magnetic, you know, magnetic thing hitting a, a bar of metal in there to kind of simulate a, a click. Um, as long as it's, you know, marked uh, as such that it's, you know, this is the place you press your finger um, with the new, you know, 3D touch technology that they have in the uh, the new iPhone 6S, you could basically replicate that same thing, but actually make it more useful because you could have more multiple layers of, you know, force press on the, the home button itself. So maybe it won't change really anything as far as the usage goes. Uh, but of course, I, I still think they're probably going to stick to this strategy that they have of the home button and, and, and always bringing you back home because it has been one of those um, features, you know, defining features that have really uh, made this device uh, accessible and easy to use for, you know, a lot of people. It's so interesting because if you, if you just keep your phone off and you look at it, um, it is, it, it's, it's this something that has just become such a part of our lives, just having this little button down at the bottom of the screen um, and if I think obviously for a couple of things, they're going to have to keep a, some sort of indentation or something there because of the, the touch ID and being able to activate that. Um, perhaps they can just do something, which is a, a very light indentation on the glass where it's kind of curved out, um, so that you can, you know, you know, where, like, to your point where your finger goes. Um, and you know, I guess the other part of it is, is how do you make sure that, you're still able to touch on that and that activates uh, the actual phone itself because that's, I think, how most people turn on their phones today where you just you hit the home button with your thumb on it and it just unlocks it. And so, um, you know, ha- having that kind of process change is, is not going to be, is, is going to be take a lot of retraining, I think, for people. So anyway, um, but I, I, I would love to see one less mechanical part on the device for sure. And, you know, certainly pushing towards further waterproofing of the device is, is part of that too. So that's, yeah, and that's exactly what, uh, you know, because a lot of the big competitors have, you know, water resistant, waterproof phones. And uh, it's, uh, you know, it's obviously a very nice feature to have. Yeah, very nice. And I, I think most people uh, absolutely um, would say, yes, figure out a way to <clears throat> take away a part on here that can let more water get in, especially when you think about, you know, where's one of the more uh, vulnerable spots. I mean, this is a, a place that, um, you know, usually you've got, when you set your phone down, you've got the screen up and y- it doesn't even have to be like, 
you're dropping it in a you know a glass of water you're just you know picking up a, a, a coke or something that's got condensation on the outside of it and that just drips down onto the screen i mean there's all sorts of, of different things that uh you know you certainly would love to see uh resolved as a result of this so anyway uh looks like that could be potentially happening but not for yet another year and Samsung is reportedly launching a program to sell refurbished high-end phones uh, in the Galaxy S and Note lineups. Citing an individual with direct knowledge of the matter, Reuters says that the program will go into effect as early as next year and will have Samsung refurbishing handsets returned as part of its yearly upgrade program in the U.S. and South Korea, selling them then in emerging markets. Reuters goes on to say Samsung is looking to maximize its cost efficiency and keep operating margins above 10%. By refurbishing return phones and selling them for a lower cost, Samsung can maintain cost competitiveness in China, where the vendor is seeing increased pressure from the likes of Oppo, excuse me, Oppo and Huawei. While seeing company, uh, while the company likely has hopes of selling these devices in in India as well, the Indian government has already rejected Apple's bid to sell refurbished devices. So it would be unlikely that Samsung would face, uh, or likely that Samsung will face that similar opposition. And Samsung on Thursday announcing a pink gold version of the Galaxy S7 and S7 Edge. The new color will be available only at Best Buy stores in the U.S. And for a limited time, customers who buy and activate a pink gold Galaxy S7 or S7 Edge will receive a $150 gift certificate to Best Buy. The pink gold handset goes on sale uh, August 28th, which is today. It'll be available at AT&T, Sprint, T-Mobile, and Verizon as well. In software news, Twitter on Monday made its Night Mode tool available to devices running iOS. Night Mode makes it uh, better for viewing the application in the dark with less stress on the eyes. The refurbished uh, application includes a tool uh, in the settings menu that when activated changes the background from white to deep blue. It'd be kind of nice if they uh, were able to tie in with the, uh, the the OS, you know, kind of night functionality, the 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 night mode part of OS that you can have uh, scheduled, and with the the newer iPads where it does it automatically based on the ambient light sensors. So that would be kind of neat if they could have that as an option to turn on automatically instead of having to do it manually. It would be, and you know, I don't I don't know I don't use the the night mode on mine. Um, I generally try to just not use the devices when it gets too late at night, so I leave that off. I have it on, but it, it just makes the screen just look ugly yellow. I, I don't really know why I have it turned on, just because I, I turned the feature on back when they announced it, and uh, it's just been on. I, I, I never remember to turn it off, but it, it, it's, it's not very effective, I, I believe. Well, I, I, effectiveness aside, if it looks ugly, then you don't want to use the phone and it just kind of negates the whole thing. But anyway, um, so it, it's, it's uh, yeah, it would be nice if the, if the specific night modes of these applications could tie into that. Maybe someday they will. The Google application in iOS this week was updated to version 18, uh, expanding support for 3D Touch and the iPhone 6S and 6S Plus. The app first gained support for 3D Touch back in December, and this week's update brings the feature to more aspects of the application. So Google says that deep pressing on search results, uh, result titles and map results will now offer a preview of what is on the linked page. And because 3D Touch is integrated with Peek and Pop, pressing harder on the search results will pop users into the full page. Additionally, a 6S and 6S Plus owner can deep press on the G button at the bottom to instantly begin a search from anywhere in the application. Users without the 3D Touch capable devices can long press for the same result. 
Lenovo has agreed to install Microsoft's productivity applications on some of its Android-based devices. The apps include Microsoft Office, OneDrive, and Skype. Lenovo said that the productivity apps will reach millions of customers over the next few years. The agreement between Lenovo and Microsoft also includes a patent cross-licensing agreement allowing Lenovo to use Microsoft patents on its own devices, as well as those that carry the Motorola brand. Terms were not disclosed. Opera Software on Tuesday launched a free VPN for Android devices that allows smartphone and tablet owners to browse the web securely and access prohibited content when using managed networks. The VPN removes ad trackers for privacy purposes and supports virtual locations in the U.S., Canada, Germany, Singapore, and the Netherlands, which should let people get around some region-based restrictions. The VPN includes a Wi-Fi tester that can detect the strength of a Wi-Fi security. If the VPN determines the network isn't secure, it will recommend that users connect through the VPN. The Wi-Fi sniffer also checks to see if the network is public or private, if it's encrypted, how many other devices are using it, and if the IP address and location are exposed, and whether or not others can see your device. Opera imagines that VPN will be useful to students or office workers who are restricted from accessing social networks or other types of websites when using campus or office Wi-Fi. Um, Opera VPN is free to download from the Google Play Store. Opera made the same VPN available to iOS devices earlier this year. Google this week made its Wi-Fi Assistant feature available to all Nexus devices. So this is a tool uh, that is a carryover from Google's Project Fi. Uh, the Wi-Fi Assistant lets Nexus owners automatically and securely connect to more than 1 million free open Wi-Fi hotspots that are certified by Google. Users won't be required to sign in or set up accounts to access the Wi-Fi. However, Google manages the connection and ensures that it's protected, and they say the tool can improve average connection speeds and lower monthly data consumption as well. Regardless of wireless carrier, uh, which wireless provider the service cellular has, service carrier is on the phone, the Wi-Fi assistant will be available to Nexus devices in the U.S., Canada, Mexico, the U.K., and Nordic countries over the next few weeks. Google this week updated its Google Drive and Google Play Music applications for Android devices, giving new features to both. Google Drive now allows people to set home screen shortcuts and add their frequently or favorite used files and folders. The update also makes it easier to control notifications and upgrade or change storage plans. Google Play Music adds a sleep timer for those to, if you want to set how long you want the music to play on the device. The app also uh, includes new control buttons and other minor tweaks. Both are free to download from the Play Store. And Google began informing customers of Nexus devices that it is shutting down its device assist application. So this first appeared in 2014, meant to serve as a support tool for Nexus handsets. Google did not explain why it's discontinuing the tool. That change is effective immediately. And Google on Monday made its final version of the Android 7.0 Nougat available to developers, phone makers, and select devices. Google released the first developer build of Nougat earlier this year and has been refining the platform ever since. This week uh, marks the official release of the platform, which moves out of beta. The next generation operating system includes support for Vulkan to improve graphics performance for games. It also improves the Android runtime to speed up daily use. For example, apps should install 75% faster while requiring 50% less code. 
On the security front, NuGet includes file-based encryption to better isolate and protect individual users. It also hardened the media framework to prevent attacks. NuGet offers seamless security updates that happen automatically in the background with no user interaction required. Google made improvements to the multitasking functions with multi-window mode available to all. NuGet will also show only the most important seven applications and moves the clear all tool to the top of the screen to prevent accidental closings. NuGet overhauls notifications, providing direct control over silencing certain types of notifications. The platform adds Unicode 9 for an expanded set of emoji, including skin tone variations. Lastly, NuGet bakes in more direct support for virtual reality. It's available for the Nexus 6, 5X, 6P, 9, and Pixel C devices. You know, it's very exciting how much uh, Android has been improving, you know, version after version. I mean, they add a lot of additional features and changes and improvements and, and really keeps things, uh, you know, fresh and moving forward uh, on their platform. And there's a lot of really good uh, features in there. Yeah, it's uh, it is a nice thing to, to to see. And obviously, from a perspective of, you know, wanting to have uh, the vanilla version of whatever uh, operating system is coming out and, and getting it as soon as possible. Uh, that Nexus line still provides that, and, and a lot of people will continue to take advantage of it because they like uh, they like having that. Now, on the heels of the Android 7 availability, HTC revealed via Twitter that it plans to update some of its devices to Android 7, though not until later this year. The unlocked HTC 10 will be the first to receive it during some point in the fourth quarter. Uh, they will also follow that with the unlocked M or excuse me, 1M9 and unlocked 1A9, but didn't specifically mention the timing of those two devices. The carrier versions of all three uh, will see NuGet down the road, but again, HTC did not provide details. So the timing of the updates contradicts HTC's initial promise to provide NuGet to the HTC 10 within 15 days of Google's Nexus branded devices, which, as was just mentioned, received NuGet on uh, the 22nd of August. So, uh, unfortunately, the, for those that had bought into HTC devices, you will still be getting it. It just is not going to be as quick as you thought it was going to happen. And Apple on Thursday made iOS 9.3.5 available to the iPhone, iPad, and iPod. The update, according to Apple, resolves three major security issues. Two of the problems that could have led to a remote code execution on the device. Apple suggests all users update as soon as possible. That update, of course, free to download over the air. Questions and comments this week. First up is a comment from Dave. He says, hi, Dave from the San Francisco Bay Area. Uh, I I noted you mentioned on your last Sunday's podcast about the dropping prices for prepaid phones. Yes, the major carriers are focusing their efforts on prepaid as the post-paid market growth is flattening. I have a front row seat um, perspective to share with you. I've been working since August at a local Best Buy in the mobile phone sales department and as a Verizon expert. Just in the past two days, I saw two amazing prepaid deals. There's a pre- prepaid flip phone that Verizon is selling for $19.99 that can be activated on their no-data 300-minute plan for just $15 a month. The kind of deal perfectly fits in with the folks who want an emergency phone or who don't want or who want a solution for elderly parents. And it's on the Verizon network, which really does have the best coverage no matter what the commercials for Sprint say. Mentioning Sprint, the other offer I saw was for a boost phone, the ZTE Prestige, a 5-inch screen, quad-core processor, 5-megapixel camera, 39 bucks at that price who cares it only has eight gigs of storage and a gig of ram it was i was a perfect fit yesterday for a boost customer who was looking to move up from an old slider phone to a smartphone he figured it was a small investment to quill his smartphone envy 
Uh, and the phone was big enough to serve as an on-ramp for the mainstream move to smartphones with decent cameras, touchscreens, and access to apps in the Play Store. Boost has competitive plans starting at $30 a month for unlimited calls and text and a gig of data. Uh, lastly, and this one's in Sprint's favor, last week I ported my service from AT&T to Ring Plus, which is a Sprint MVNO. I couldn't resist trying out their unbelievable offer. Ring Plus has regular offers for one-time startup fee based on the size of the monthly plan. So I scored a plan for a one-time top-up of $35 that is 4,750 minutes, 4,750 texts, and 4.75 gigabytes of data per month for that amazing one-time fee. I repeat, this is a one-time fee of $35. That means I'll be saving money that I've been paying to AT&T every month because there are no other ongoing charges at Ring Plus. I've been on the service for a week, and the only noticeable difference in my day-to-day experience has so far been the lack of visual voicemail. I'm thinking I will try living with Sprint's coverage because of the trade-off and zero-cost phone plan that could be worth the occasional dropped call. Check out Ring Plus and get on their announcement list and find a Sprint Booster Verizon Virgin Mobile phone to activate on one of the promotional plans. Thanks for your efforts and keep up uh, the great work with your fellow and keeping your fellow cell phone junkies informed. Dave, you know, honestly, I, I, I don't know a lot about Ring Plus. I think we've talked about it on the show in the past, um, but only briefly. And, you know, it's it sounds like the, um, you know, the idea of getting a one-time, having a one-time fee is not a sustainable business model, to be honest. But I think, uh, you know, at the very least, they're going to get a lot of people hooked into it. And, uh, you know, and hopefully the service works out and then they'll change the plans at some point to, um, you'll have kind of the early adopter pricing and then everybody else. And that's fine too, I guess. Uh, and good for you, Dave. And, uh, appreciate the recommendation. If, uh, anyone's interested in checking him out, ring plus is, uh, the, uh, the MVNO on the sprint network that he was talking about. And also going back to the, you know, $39, uh, ZTE prestige. I mean, it really is amazing. The specs you can get for 39 bucks. It, it, it's, it, it really is mind blowing. Yeah. I mean, you, for that price, you think about like what you could potentially do with that kind of hardware, um, you know, and for, yeah, it, it still is a very solid running quad core processor, five, you know, inch screen. I mean, it's, it's no slouch. Um, so yeah, just absolutely great stuff to see coming out uh, on the prepaid side and definitely pushing, uh, you know, the market and pushing on, you know, what it is that people are expecting out of phones and you don't need to have, you know, the top of the line stuff when, uh, you know, something that's out there for a fraction of the cost is going to be able to get, get the job done for you. So, <clears throat> excuse me again, thanks Dave very much for sending in that feedback. Finally today, a voicemail from Ben. Hey guys, Ben Vars from Red Bank, New Jersey again. Have been a while since I was uh, on your air. Anyway, just some T-Mobile chat because I'm just back from some travels. Um, T-Mobile worked great in Galveston, Texas and its surrounding areas. Um, but still up in New Hampshire uh, was DOA in uh, Wolfsboro, which is actually a fairly well-known resort up there, although it's not densely populated. So, uh, just grateful to have the ability to jump on the Wi-Fi. Although, yeah, 20% of the time to 30% of the time, my Wi-Fi connection is not good enough and I don't really get a quality connection. Um, I mean, of course, it depends on the circumstances and the network that you jump on. But it's great to have that backdoor option. And, uh, I mean, i probably keep T-Mobile even without it, but it certainly has made it a lot better. Uh, Texts always get through, though, so that's good. I mean, the voice connection doesn't always work, but one thing that I have to keep in mind is that when it jumps on the Wi-Fi, 
my texting gets through fine so that helps a lot even when the network is pretty crowded or crappy um, and last year, there's a gentleman who's one of our listeners who said, oh, next time you go to Wolfsboro, they, the new LTE system or whatever is going to cover you. should be covered. And actually, I think I looked at the T-Mobile map, and it looked like I was supposed to be covered. But my phone, my wife's phone, my uh, daughter's new 6SE, and mine is a 6S, we didn't get any LTE at all. In fact, in Wolfsboro, it's completely dead. No edge even. But um, in the surrounding areas around Lake Winnipesaukee, um, we were occasionally getting edge, uh, at least one or two bars. I, I'm pretty sure it's a third-party provider that's got some sort of agreement with T-Mobile. Um, no data. Um, so you can go on edge to make a phone call or send a text, and it's fine. But of course, if you wanted to look at Facebook or whatever, forget about it. Anyway, thank you very much, guys. I appreciate your updates and your your experiences with the various carriers. This is Ben from Red Bank. All right, Ben, thanks very much for the voicemail. And, uh, you know, it is good to hear, again, you know, some more feedback about, you know, just where T-Mobile works and doesn't work because it, it certainly is something where, you know, we've been talking very positively about it for a number of months and, and it works out generally very well for the people that have it. Otherwise, I don't think we would continue to have it, but it is not perfect everywhere. And so um, it is it is definitely great to hear some of that feedback. And, uh, you know, the, the other thing that I will say is that, you know, the Wi-Fi calling piece of it, I, I've noticed that as well, where it's not perfect. Generally, I find it to be okay. I try not to use it on the phone on public networks all that often. I, I prefer to, you know, keep you know, keep them keep the phone on networks that I know. Uh, but occasionally, from time to time, especially when traveling, you can't always do that. No, and a uh, uh, family member was in uh, Ukraine recently and uh, made some phone calls, uh, and it sounds like they're you know. Uh, you know, a mile away. I mean, uh, just amazing call quality, even though it's on the complete opposite side of the planet. Really just pretty amazing. It is um, for sure. And, you know, when it comes to data, I mean, certainly it's it's like anything else. I mean, when you're doing a Skype call with someone from around the world, I mean, you know, with the exception of a few milliseconds latency that gets added into the process, it's it's almost virtually undetectable. Um, and so it is, and, and the quality is still very good. Um, ben also wrote in as a follow-up to the voicemail to say that one thing, he says, one thing I've been a little annoyed with is that I'm actually now throttled to 4G. Um, an excellent operator at T-Mobile told me that I was too close to my data. So I increased it four days ago, and I've yet to see it reset the, on the LTE side. So I've been using 4G for the last week. Um, I'll follow, in a follow-up call, uh, the operator said that the data sets to LTE once my billing cycle renews automatically. So um, I know he has the the six gigabyte planned uh, plans for his devices. So he must have been close to six gigs, uh, and ultimately that's where he got throttled down to the four G. I didn't think it actually happened until you got all the way to uh, the end of uh, where that amount was. But you know, certainly if you get up to that point, then you get throttled back down to its two G speeds, which is basically 120 kilobits per second. Four G even still is is pretty decent from the places that i've seen it and used it so hopefully it's uh it's still functioning uh, okay for you but thanks for the voicemail uh, either way if you have any questions or comments we'd love to hear from you send us email to questions at the cell phone junkie.com or give us a call 650-999-0524 and we'd love to hear from you uh, on anything that you have to say joey thank you very much as always for your time we'll talk to you later thanks for listening For more information about the stories you've just heard, visit us at thecellphonejunkie.com.